Hi, Max Clark. This is uh, 20 Minutes Max. I'm going to try to do this in 20 minutes today. I'm also going to try something a little new, something I haven't done before. And uh, I'm going to talk about how I pick data centers. So a little bit about me first, um, why you should listen to me. I have been uh, co-locating and building out data centers for over 25 years now. This is everything from on-premise, you know, your little server rack in a room to render farms to custom data center deployments in hospitals. When I say custom data center deployments, I mean like, you know, helping people get generators and UPSs and the full full MET plant put in, you know, race floor, everything. Uh, the ghetto colos, you know, these are just the random one-off locations with, with no real business actually hosting equipment. Uh, I've seen plenty of those in the day. And all the way up to your, you know, premier top tier facilities, um, I've uh, personally, a previous business, we scaled to multiple megawatts of data center floor space. Um, I found out that I was the fourth largest uh, data center operator in one Wilshire when the building was sold. It's a fun story. Um, number three was Google. And uh, today I, you know, we help clients with data center selection and deployments basically in every every major continent. When I say major, every continent. So we do North America, South America, a lot of Asia. So Singapore is now very popular. Uh, used to be Hong Kong, but a little geopolitics there going on. Japan, of course, Europe, um, Africa, South Africa um, has been a thing. I'm expecting that to grow, India, etc. So we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, how, how and why you pick a data center and, you know, what's the actual, like, what people actually seem to care about a lot. So, and of course, some, uh, some contrarian advice here. Really, this boils down to three things. You're probably already guessing what this is, but those three things are, how much does it cost? Where is it? And uh, who's there? Okay, so you know, I don't like leading into these things with price ever, but let's be real. Everything always at some point when you're in a selection process comes down to uh, to price. And so we, we try to help um, counsel people and also make evaluations and determinations into what I call acceptable premiums. So in some cases, you'll see things where um, you might have two providers, two suppliers, and I don't want to say they're equal enough, but they're similar enough. And there is, but one is much better. Well, that doesn't mean similar enough anymore. I'm going to contradict, my, um, contradict myself already. But, you know, maybe you have a wide gap in terms of service delivery or functions. You know, what is that premium that you're paying between the two or the perception of, of the value that receiving? And, and uh, you know, what, what does that value gap versus expense need to really be? So where is it? This is a huge one for a, a lot of clients. And when they're selecting data centers, I'll talk about this more with some examples. And who's there? And so let's get into it. Okay, so the first one, where? So this is a data center map exported from our system here of um, the Los Angeles Metro. This ring is 200 miles. Two things I want to point out here with the LA market specifically is you can see here in the uh, Northeast, um, we've got Las Vegas, and then over to the East, we've got Phoenix. And so Las Vegas and Phoenix have become very popular markets for uh, DR facilities or, or alternate facilities out of the LA Metro. And this could be good for you and it could be bad for you. And, and, and we'll talk about this a little bit more in a moment. But anyway, so we can see here in this map, um, based on the filter selection, We've got this cluster here in Los Angeles. We've got this cluster in Orange County. We've got this cluster in San Diego. And so as we zoom into this thing, you can get a little more fidelity at what that actually means in terms of facility count and approximately where they are. But I'm going to zoom all the way in here to my like favorite representation of this. We look at this Los Angeles metro specifically and, and what really become, you know, the major data center players here in this market, right? So downtown Los Angeles is, um, downtown Los Angeles is really where it's at. 
and you can see this cluster that's 13 of of really what you consider downtown LA and this this three this three is thanks to CoreSite when they purchased 900 North Alameda and then uh, turned that into a a real data center operation downtown and then we've got um, down here around El Segundo and El Segundo um, uh, Exodus actually started El Segundo off um, back in the late 90s 200 North Nash and this is where um, dominantly you see Equinox facilities down in El Segundo now why Los Angeles versus El Segundo uh, and by the way there's there's other facilities in here we've got facilities in Hawthorne um, you know there are there are there are more data centers on this map right um, Wilshire Boulevard a little bit north is 10 freeway there's some some private on-prem build outs um, and different buildings that have come up that you know some people like to use for different reasons um, we talk about this in terms of geography first you know if you're a Los Angeles based business and you're looking for a data center you know and you're looking for something close because you're building it out yourself you know where this facility actually is is going to be a pretty big and you know <laughs> really important to you when I uh, you know going back 25 years um, I was living in Santa Monica and the only real data center operations were in Irvine if you were a uh, tech company in the late 90s early 2000s and you needed a data center and chances are that data center the closest one to you was um, you know was pretty far it was down here in this Irvine where you see this little six down here with 405 and 73 kind of fork um, that's where all the data center action was and you know Santa Monica to Irvine can be anywhere between 45 minutes and two hours in the, on, on the car, depending on traffic. Fortunately, back then, there wasn't as much traffic from when I had to go visit these things. It is a pretty big consideration, you know, I mean, just Los Angeles specific. I mean, if you're a Pasadena-based company, if you're out in the valley somewhere, San Fernando Valley, if you're in Calabasas, Thousand Oaks, probably don't want to talk about facilities in Irvine so much. You know, a big concern that comes in and people people really, you know, focus on is drive time at staff. First data center, it's usually going to be your staff from your office driving to that facility. As you get into bigger and bigger data centers, the economics of the location of the data center versus the ge the distance to your office really come into play. And you're usually staffing out um, people and technicians to be physically present at that data center. So rules of thumb, you know, probably uh, under half a megawatt, 500 kilowatt of power, really under 250 kilowatt of power, you know, the, the physical proximity to your office and your primary operations is going to be more important to you than differentials in, you know, cost of floor space or cost of electricity. Once you cross over, you know, 500 kilowatt, you get into, you know, megawatt plus deployments, you know, the price differential of a facility selection is going to make more difference to you than, you know, the inconvenience of having to hire, you know, people for there. So in the uh, LA to Vegas, you know, location, like you're not driving staff from LA to Vegas. You could do it if you were doing a big build out, but they're going to fly. You're going to put people on an airplane to fly from LA to Vegas. Really, if you're putting a big deployment, a big, big build out in Vegas, you're hiring in Vegas. You know, that's, that's a simple just way of, of thinking about that and, and looking at that. Anyways. Okay. So I'm just going to point some things out here. Just, just on this map here, you can see this little blue dot here at Burbank, we've got El Segundo, we've got Irvine, and we've got downtown Los Angeles. So just just kind of make note of that. And we'll come back to that in a little bit. Another thing about where, you know, and this is this is pretty important, and people don't think about until sometimes it's too late is the impact of taxes and taxation on your facilities. For instance, why why do you see a lot of facilities down here in El Segundo versus Los Angeles? Well, how El Segundo taxes businesses is very different from how LA City taxes businesses. This is, you know, of course, huge in different markets, New York, New Jersey, Chicago, you know, our friends in Chicago were one of the first um, municipalities to really create this idea of unpossessed, unpossessed property taxation. But where you physically put equipment that runs your 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 um, business, especially if you're 
if you're financing or leasing that equipment in any way and you have a UCC filed against you, that's going to pop up and the taxing authority is going to see you there. And that may be good or that may be bad. Now, in the case of LA, it might be advantageous for you to uh, have a co-location facility in El Segundo and use that as your point of transaction, alter how your business taxes are paid and calculated with your LA office operations. So, you know, you can apportion your revenue. And we did this, and this is something I learned a long, long time ago. But, um, and for instance, that, that business was based in Maria del Rey in Los Angeles City in Maria del Rey, but the data center was in El Segundo. So we took an operation that was generating, you know, multiple millions of dollars a year in revenue. And instead of paying, you know, Los Angeles City, a lot of municipal tax, completely different calculation for El Segundo. It saved the company millions and millions and millions of dollars a year. So understand kind of taxing rules of where you're getting yourself into and whether or not that's going to either open you up to a nexus, you know, it's going to, it's going to get really expensive for you from a tax standpoint, or if you're going to be able to leverage that asset to reduce your tax burden. Not a lot of people talk about for some reason, but um, also, of course, like sales tax. When you purchase equipment, you pay sales tax on it. You're paying 11% in sales tax, or you're going to pay 6% in sales tax. You know, that factors into these sorts of things. Next thing, let's talk about fiber and talk about, you know, this is the, the arteries and the veins that connect the world together and the internet together and why this actually is important. Um, so this is Zayo's public network map. You go to their website and download this, and there's nothing too weird here. The point that I want to make here and and, point, and and give is now these cities have way more density of interconnection. This used to not be the case. You know, 20, go back 20 years, we've got a lot more fiber built here. But this is talking about, you know, building out and what you actually need in terms of redundancy for facilities. Everything kind of becomes these like little loops, these circles. So LA, Vegas, Salt Lake City, Boise, Think of that as kind of like a little loop. And a lot of fiber runs that way. You know, we've got this Salt Lake, Vegas, Phoenix, Tucson, Albuquerque, Denver, right? Like these little kind of like intersecting circles. From a network diversity conversation, and this this drives a lot of this desire to get into, oh, we need to co-locate and we need to move really far out with a data center because we need to have network redundancy. Well, if you think about it from Los Angeles, just going from Los Angeles to Irvine opens up the second you know path for you out to Phoenix. And maybe that's far enough distance. Oh, oh, by the way, you know, the network is riding you to Phoenix anyways from Los Angeles. You're going through Irvine anyway. So like LA, Irvine, Phoenix, or LA, Phoenix, LA, Irvine, San Diego, Phoenix. Sometimes you can be still pretty close and have uh, effective DR based on the kind of scenario that you're trying to protect against with your DR. So um, fiber breaks, fiber outages, and and the next thing we'll talk about usually drive that conversation. You know, of course, LA, it's always about the, the mythical 10 point earthquake, which I hope to never experience in my lifetime because the scenarios for that are really, really terrible. Point here is, is you know, Los Angeles to Vegas, uh, Los Angeles to Irvine, Los Angeles to San Diego, Los Angeles to Phoenix. You know, the reason why Vegas and Phoenix become so popular is, you know, you get this access now to network traffic that was that was routing a different direction. Fun little quirk about two decades ago, a bridge went out in a rainstorm in um, Northern California connecting Los Angeles to San Francisco. And, you know, there was a period of time for a few hours where traffic between LA and San Francisco was actually routing across the Pacific. So we were seeing things go to Asia and and then come back to Northern California um, because of that fiber route wasn't there. And the way the uh, MPLS networks were calculating cost, it wasn't routing inland to Salt Lake City. You see that kind of stuff, not so much anymore, but you still see that. Anyway, so okay, this is this is Zeo's. I'm going to show you uh, Lumen. Lumen zoomed in a little bit the way their map actually generates. Um, we lose some real estate, but you know, same kind of thing. This is actually showing you know fiber assets within Lumen's network. You know, Los Angeles to Vegas, Los Angeles to Irvine, of course, San Diego. These routes that go to Phoenix from both directions. You know, yep, there's a lot of fiber that runs through Palm Springs. It goes out to Phoenix. You know, fiber that follows. What are these lines? 
means and why do they follow? They follow freeways and railroads. I mean, there's not really a lot of sophistication in why this route was chosen. It's a freeway or it's a railroad because you need a right of way. Going back up here and talking about where are you going to put your second facility? Again, you know, you can kind of see this Barstow route coming up here to Las Vegas. Looks familiar from Lumen's uh, Lumen's map, I'm sure. But if you're in Los Angeles, you have a private facility, you start talking about, well, where do you want to put a second facility? You, know, you got lots of choices. Okay. Last thing I want to talk about. Um, not the last thing I want to talk about. This is the second last thing I want to talk about. Electricity. Electricity impacts you in two ways. It's the primary driving factor in data center cost. So how much is electricity? How much is a land? What does it cost to build? You know, major factor in data centers. A lot of data centers that are on the market today um, were built a long time ago. So they're not really factoring in what was the land acquisition cost anymore in terms of the cost of the facility. It's, you know, taxation is, is you know, drives a lot of the cost and the, you know, the expense of the data center. There's a reason why you don't see new data center construction happening in Los Angeles. You know, um, there's a reason why Hillsborough is more popular than Portland, for instance. Uh, there's a reason why Ashburn, Virginia happened. You know, it's it's a you know, in those cases, it's a it's a land play. How much does the land cost, and how much does the electricity cost in order to you know power the facility? Um, so there's two points with electricity. The first one is is how much what's your what's your effective rate per kilowatt hour, uh, and that's influenced based on what the generation is. So is it hydro? Is it um, coal? Is it nuclear? You know, that, that impacts what's the kilo, uh, cost per kilowatt hour, you know, impacts, you know, data center has to run air conditioning, right? So that factors into how much you pay for that data center space. Whether you're on a breakered KW or a critical KW in the metered power in a data center, you know, what the rate per kilowatt hour of that data center is really important to you in terms of the cost. Now, small pops, if you're building out, again, sub 250 kilowatt, you know, the cost differential between, you know, nine cents and 13 cents a kilowatt hour is going to, you know, it it's going to show up on that X spreadsheet, but it's not going to be so outsized that other things aren't going to influence the decision more. This is from California's PUC website, and you're going to see this in other markets as well. And it's important to understand and look at, but Los Angeles is very fun to look at this thing because we talk about power as a factor in driving DR decisions. You know, what happens if there's a grid failure? We need to be in Vegas so that way we've got alternate network and we've got alternate, you know, power. Or we need to be in Phoenix because we have to have alternate network and alternate power. Looking at this map, and I pointed out a couple of those dots, we see LADWP. So all of Los Angeles is this LADWP, this orange kind of shaded in area. And notice there's like some cutouts here. Those cutouts are important to look at, right? So... Uh, first cut out all the downtown Los Angeles facilities, of course, LADWP. Look at this little island here. That is Burbank. That's Burbank Water and Power. So that facility in Burbank, it's got its a different power generator. It's got a different. It's got its own. It's got its own power system. It's not LADWP. Uh, all those El Segundo facilities. Guess what? They're not LADWP in Southern California. Edison blue, like light shaded blue, is all SCE. You know, same thing in Orange County. You see City of Anaheim. So there's facilities in Anaheim, Santa Ana, different power. Orange County, Irvine, again, SoCal Edison, and then you come down to San Diego and San Diego Gas and Electric. If your dominant desire is to have redundant power and redundant providers and utilities for power, and you're in Los Angeles, you can go to El Segundo or Irvine and have a, a reasonable expectation for redundancy. DWP, LADWP, and SCE are interconnected with each other, and you can talk about what, what sort of like cascading event could really happen. But in terms of like, oh, I want to make sure that if LADWP, you know, blows up some, some substations or whatever because a car runs into it which is that we have a redundant facility and so in those cases you know you can have two two facilities pretty close to each other i mean the distance between downtown los angeles and el segundo is is not terribly far mileage isn't terribly far but if you've driven it time of day factors into your 
time of transport. You know, reasonably reasonable redundancy and between these two power companies and, you know, you can have it in the same city. You don't have to go to Vegas in order to get that kind of redundancy. Let's talk about, I'm going to talk about networks for a little bit. Again, this is a big factor of what you're doing with your data center. You know, are you looking for really dense interconnection with different network providers? You know, that's going to make a big factor also in terms of the more networks that are in a facility, the cheaper, the more competition there is for acquiring customers at those facilities. You have different uh, economic dynamics that happen in those, in those buildings. And this is the LA1 facility, aka a one Wilshire building. This is PeeringDB. PeeringDB is a, a public database that people networks can add themselves to in order to you know look and find interconnection points and you know talk about their stuff. But so here, CoreSight, 305 networks. It's actually much more than that. When you look at the entire CoreSight ecosystem in Los Angeles, it's over 400 networks, and they're inter the buildings are interconnected with each other. You know, FYI. But so 305 networks here in this building. Let's go across the street, 600 West 7th Street, digital realty, 38 networks. That may or may not be a big issue for you. And this is something that we look at and we evaluate and we talk about with our clients before we, we get into and we get too deep into these facilities. Now, could you get a better deal at one building versus another? I mean, of course, right? And this is where we start talking about, you know, the differences between buildings. Are you driving a, a cost value play first? But does that get countered with if there was a network that you needed and you were at digital realty at 600 West 7th? and that building was across the street at One Wilshire, that, that network, the cost of taking a metro connection, so the cross-connect to the facilities on both sides, the metro connection, whatever is actually going on in the street, to connect those two facilities, if you do that a lot, um, very quickly can eradicate any sort of cost advantage that you would have had over at 600 versus you know just co-locating in the other building in the first place. So let's just keep going to the LA. So here's here's Equinix. This is the LA3, LA4 sites. There's actually a cluster of Equinix facilities down in El Segundo. You know, similar story, 38 networks registered started at, you know, at, these, at, this, at this complex. Might be an issue for you, might not be an issue, just something to be aware of. Now, I kind of picked on DRT and Equinix a little bit in Los Angeles, but let me show you some comparisons with this. So this is digital reality at the 56 Marietta in terms of um, like your super connector you know, buildings and markets. One Wilshire building in SoCal, 56 Marietta is the equivalent of that. Atlanta for the southwest, southeastern region of the United States. So if if you need colo in Atlanta, the prime facility here is Digital Realty. So I, I pull that one out just to make that point. And of course, here's uh, Equinox's campus in Ashburn. You can see 430 networks. So, you know, there is, you know, understanding which markets, why, what market, what are you trying to achieve with that market are all very important. Where are you located? You know, what are you trying to achieve with it? Who do you need to interconnect with it? DR is a fun conversation for me to get into. The other part of DR, and, and I'll make another video about this one and get into this in much more detail. But if you're going to go through the expense of putting a DR facility in another market, I would argue putting that other DR facility only three or 400 miles away from you is is probably not the best idea because you're not going to be able to lever that facility as much as you you could if if it was in a completely different region. West coast to central, west to east coast, these sorts of things give you other opportunities to do things that you wouldn't be able to do if they were on top of each other. And if you're okay with them being on top of each other with LA and Vegas, then maybe just downtown in El Segundo gives you enough for downtown Irvine or maybe even downtown. Downtown San Diego is, is kind of unusual, but you know LA to Irvine for sure you know, is, is a very reasonable strategy. I'm Max Clark. That was more than 20 minutes, but hopefully this helps you.